It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying their products. Hey everyone, it's your host, Edward Ford, and welcome to the Growth of Podcast brought to you by growth marketing agency, Advanced B2B. Advanced B2B helps B2B SaaS businesses generate sustainable revenue growth through marketing. So if you're looking for an agency partner who will help you get measurable results from your marketing, then check out advancedb2b.com for more info. Now, joining us today on the show is Liz Elfman, and we're talking about how SaaS companies and SaaS marketing teams can successfully implement OKRs. Now, OKRs stand for Objectives and Key Results, and they are a management framework to help companies and teams align behind key business objectives. So if you want to improve the results of your SaaS marketing team, you will love this episode. Now, Liz has been working with OKRs ever since she joined Google, who helped popularize OKRs from the late 90s onwards. In addition to working at Google, Liz has been an instructor at General Assembly, where she taught courses on digital marketing, business writing, branding, and analytics. Liz also founded her own boutique comms agency, E-Squared, and has spent the last year working at Toggle, a time-tracking SaaS product for freelancers, consultants, and small businesses, as an inbound marketer. Now in this episode, Liz talks to us about aligning OKRs between marketing and the rest of your company, a simple way to frame OKRs, examples of what good OKRs look like, how to track and grade OKRs, and we also hear how Liz and her team use OKRs at Toggle. So here we go, it's episode number 47 of the Growth of Podcast with Liz Elfman, inbound marketer at Toggle. Welcome to another episode of the Growth of Podcast, and it's my pleasure to welcome Liz Elfman to the show. So Liz, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth of Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited about this topic. We are diving into the world of OKRs and how SaaS companies and SaaS marketing teams should implement them in the right way. But to start, can you briefly give a quick intro to OKRs? So what are they and why are they so important? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So you might have heard of OKRs. It stands for Objective Key Results. And it's really just a very basic management methodology that spread super quickly around the turn of the century after Google started using it in 1999. And a lot of people sort of credit OKRs with the dizzying growth of Google in that period. So they have this sort of Silicon Valley legend about them. And OKRs are just supposed to really precisely define how to achieve objectives through concrete, specific, and measurable actions. And you hear a lot of the same terms that are used in that SMART framework. Well, OKRs are sort of like taking SMART goals one step further because they connect key results to objectives in a way that kind of more strategically directs resources and time. So they're really important just because organizations of every size are always looking for ways to drive performance. And it's been a really widely accepted practice that organizational and departmental and individual individual goals plan where people want to go. But then a lot of organizations sort of just end it there. And they don't have a way to revisit whether they've actually gone anywhere and whether they've actually achieved everything, anything. So they might like you know, analyze a little bit in passing, but there's no formal structure for saying, yeah, we did this. Yeah, we did this. Yeah, we hit our targets. So that top-down goal-setting framework kind of ends up 
getting stuck a lot in the phase of figuring out just like which goals to set rather than focusing on actually achieving those goals. And OKRs are just a nice framework for the alternative. Like there's really nothing super revolutionary or inspired about them, but they're used in practice by Google and Spotify and Uber and Twitter and all those really successful companies. So they're very action-baked and there's a sort of baked-in accountability there, which makes them really attractive. Yeah, exactly. And we use them at Supermetrics. But I mean, when it comes to setting specific OKRs, what is like a good structure or framework or Madlib you can use to ensure that objectives are clear and key results are easy to track and measure? Sure. So I like to think of them as connecting like puzzle pieces with the with the intent being sort of that if the objective is reached, that means that by default, the key results have also been reached. So there's really that added layer of accountability. And you separate it into two parts. So the objective answers the question, what is the goal? And the key result answers, how do we get there? So the key result you'll see, they're really describing outcomes, not activities. Like if your key results include words like consult or help or analyze or participate, those are sort of red flags that you're describing activities. Instead, you're supposed to really be describing the end user impact of these activities. So whether that's like a deliverable or a metric, that's where you're going to see all the numbers. So, so yeah, in terms of how to actually write them, I've seen the framework written as, I will blank as measured by blank, where the first part is the objective and the second part is the key result. Right. Okay, got it. And should key results be output driven, for example, create three case studies if you're working in marketing? Or should it be an outcome, for example, increasing new trials by X percent? Like, Where do you stand on the key results in terms of outputs and outcomes? Yeah, so I think it's really up to you. Um, They're just supposed to be measurable milestones, which if advanced, they advance the objective in turn. So yeah, I'm very comfortable with them including numbers. Like both of what you just, both of those examples you just said have numbers in there. I always feel like if my key results have numbers in it, I'm going in the right direction. So whether that's three types of deliverable or raise something by a certain percent, I think having a number, being able to really specifically quantify it means that you're on the right track. Right, exactly. And I think we'll come on to examples in a little more detail later on. But for now, I mean, OKRs, they affect all departments in a SaaS company. So before we go deeper into marketing OKRs specifically, how should CEOs, senior leadership and department heads align OKRs across the company? Yeah, that's a really good question, especially in SaaS companies, because so many important projects usually require contribution from all different groups. And OKRs are actually really ideally suited to that type of collaboration. Um, Usually cross-team OKRs should include all the groups that materially participate in an OKR, whether they're senior or not. And then each group's contribution should appear explicitly in their own OKRs. So for example, if the CMOs and the VPs and then the sort of subsequent marketing teams under them all need to deliver and support a huge new campaign, then all of those parties should have OKRs that filter down to their teams and describe their commitment to deliver their part of the project, if that makes sense. So, you know, 
it's kind of like you're zooming out as you get higher up and towards the executive level, but it's really all working to, to turn, you know, the wheels forward. Yeah, got it. So let's talk about OKRs and marketing. So how should marketing teams go about setting OKRs within the marketing department? Sure. Yeah, that's always a tough one because I feel (laughs) like on marketing teams, the challenge is always to find the signal from the noise, right? Like other teams are always like, what do you even do marketing? Or you just, you're always battling the impression that you're just doing these sort of fluffy, you know, Instagram posts and it doesn't really mean anything, but um, yeah, marketing teams just have a lot of tasks and projects that don't produce immediate results. So things like improving SEO or increasing brand awareness that doesn't always have really easily measurable numeric metrics and definitely doesn't always work in a quarterly timeframe, especially when it comes to SEO. So for me, when in doubt, I really like to look at my list of KPIs for inspiration. Because again, I think always drawing back to those numbers, always drawing back to quantifiable, measurable, concrete things is important. So I actually have a list that I just check out sometimes and it has things on it like revenue, cost per click, followers, engagement, churn, MRR, net profit, returning customers, NPS, ROI, things like that, like open rates, click-through rates, anything that's a KPI that we look at and that we typically incorporate. And then that kind of brings you back to, okay, this is what my OKR should be for marketing teams. So like a, a sample VP of marketing level OKR, for example, would be the objective, if the objective is accelerate monthly recurring revenue growth by building a pipeline, then a couple could key results for that might be grow MRR by 20% in Q2, increase volume of trial signups by 40% versus Q1, and build out 10 pieces of new top of the funnel inbound content to test promotional frameworks and analyze. So you're looking at those key results, you see those numbers, that's comforting. And then that's going to all contribute to the objective of building that really nice pipeline that's going to hopefully boost your monthly recurring revenue growth. Yeah, that's a good idea. And I want to ask, as a follow-up to this, a question that divides opinion. So should OKRs for marketing departments, should they be on an individual level or should they be on a team level? Yeah, so to be honest, on every single team that I've ever either been fully on or consulted on, I've had both personal OKRs and team-wide OKRs. And that's all the way from a small startup to Google, which like there practically is no bigger company. And the important thing I think for all of this is just that they're all transparent. Like you can see them in a really visible place throughout the quarter and the year. So whether that's on like a shared Google Drive or in Notion somewhere, in general, you have this team-wide meeting where you all share and absorb OKRs on various levels. Like if it's in a startup, every person's just like, here, this is my OKRs, all the way on up to the executive level, the CEO, if your organization is small. And then if it's too big, you sort of start from that team-wide level and move up from there. But the important part is that everyone is seeing and absorbing how their goals tie into everyone else's. So, you know, if you're in Google, you're our head of Google for startups, for example, was not looking at my OKRs. I don't think she ever even knew what they were, but I knew what hers were. And I was talking about mine with my manager and how they sort of mapped back to that overlying structure. So yeah, I think it's always healthy to have personal OKRs and to be 
aware of what your contribution is as it you know relates to the the greater the greater good yeah exactly and in terms of time frames you mentioned quarterly okrs there so should okrs be run on a quarterly basis is that a good time frame for saas companies yeah i think it really is um on most of the teams i've ever seen whether they're saas companies or not they have both annual okrs and quarterly okrs just because you need you need a time frame a month we've tried at at toggle i've seen everyone try to do monthly okrs at first and it's just way too short like it's way too fast before you know it the month is up and you're like doing way too much admin so i think a quarterly okr is a really comfortable sort of middle ground yeah absolutely i could imagine monthly okrs would you would just spend your entire time planning and reviewing okrs and not actually doing any work so yeah quarterly yeah. seems like a good a good balance uh, but then combining it with annual okrs as well is is quite a good idea something i have haven't heard before so okay so your team has set OKRs and the let's say the next thing is following your progress. So how should you go about tracking and grading OKRs? Yeah, that's a good question. So traditionally OKRs are graded on a scale of 0 to 1 and you don't expect to get all ones. I'm not sure at Google that I ever even had one. Um maybe one or two, but your OKRs are supposed to contain a really healthy mix of stretch goals like those high effort high risk goals that will really 10x your opportunities if you achieve them. Um I've been on teams where they will actually have a little progress tracker and keep track of your OKRs throughout the quarter and then I've been on teams where they just kind of are too busy and sort of ignore it in an official way except for the occasional check in with the manager like how are you doing on your OKRs? Oh yeah, I'm doing okay or you know, I'm struggling on this one but I've already achieved that one. So I think it's just like whatever works for you it can be quite fluid. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I'd love to ask is that is hitting your OKRs also a sign of failure? So if you didn't hit them, of course, you didn't, but there are discussions that if you do hit all your OKRs, you haven't set them highly enough or they're not, they're not as ambitious as they should be. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's sort of the party line because, you know, so many so much of OKR history and OKR legend and you know people who are schooling others on OKRs they always take it from Google and Google is a company that's always emphasizing you know be googly take that moonshot and stretch higher achieve higher and so i think the sort of legend around OKRs is like if you've hit them all then you're not dreaming big enough you know um also it just makes you look like you've set OKRs on purpose to achieve them in order to make yourself look good and so i think yeah you're really not supposed to it's it's sort of built into the framework of OKRs that you're not supposed to achieve them all and if you do then you're not really doing it right yeah exactly so following on from this and the discussion on OKR completion I want to ask another question that divides opinion and that is should OKRs then be tied to personal bonuses. Yeah, that's something I sort of struggled with for a while because I when I came into Google I thought that I would be graded on my OKRs and that I would be my performance reviews and my 
bonus and my salary and whether I was promoted or not was going to be tied to my OKRs. And I was really afraid of setting too ambitious goals. But then I sort of realized and took a look around me and had talks with my managers and realized that they typically don't always achieve them and that it's actually really seen as toxic to tie OKRs directly to bonuses because the rationale being if you achieve your OKRs, you get your bonus. That's pretty toxic because you're not going to experiment, you're not going to try, you're not going to take risks. And then it's sort of even more toxic to blindly tie OKRs to performance because that's implying that by failing to meet your OKRs, you're failing as an employee and you're like, oh no, I didn't get any ones. Am I fired? Um, and both of those behaviors or beliefs kind of encourage sandbagging of your other teammates and it causes employees to see OKRs as more of an administrative tool as opposed to a tool for collaborative commitment and exploration and experimentation. So I think the prevailing wisdom says that OKRs are an input into the performance conversation. Like according to the guy who helped bring them to Google, he says OKR should really amount to a third or less of performance ratings. And they should really be taking a backseat to things like feedback from cross-functional teams and other context around performance. Yeah, this is really interesting. So how can SaaS companies implement things like a personal bonus program and manage things like performance reviews, promotions, salary raises alongside OKRs? Do you have any advice from your experiences at Google and, and now with Toggle on how to balance between those things? Yeah, definitely. I think that most people would recommend shifting as opposed to sort of working OKRs into those annual performance related conversations, actually switching it to the other way. So shifting individual performance reviews into more of a quarterly cadence. And that way you break the yearly cycle of all that anticipation and anxiety. And it's sort of seen as more healthy for managers to continually give feedback to employees throughout the year and schedule those quarterly performance conversations. So there are, you know, opportunities to coach and guide and ensure success throughout the year. So I've seen a lot of people recommend that OKRs complement those conversations and feedback and recognition as a form of continuous performance management. And that way you're equipping the OKRs with a fuller context and you're really prioritizing things like personal development and growth and even if personal bonuses are once a year like obviously no one's going to be getting a bonus once a quarter that sounds great sign me up for that but that's not happening so <laughs> at least the the person is generally aware of what's coming and they don't feel like their livelihood is strictly tied into these OKRs and then they have that once a year to kind of you know make it all work and and really achieve um or really achieve growth and a bonus and a promotion and it's all like there's such a pressurized environment you know yeah got it super good points and let's discuss a bit more on a practical level and hear what okrs look like in practice and i was thinking we could take a couple of examples so what would be the difference between typical okrs you might have for say a cmo or vp or someone who is a little more senior in the marketing team compared to marketing specialists or teams who might run specific channels, whether it's PPC or content marketing, for example? 
Yeah, I think really that's a good question. And I think the difference is the amount that you're zooming in or out really. So OKRs for someone like a content manager or an inbound manager are really much more micro, but theoretically, so yeah, theoretically, if you have a CMO's OKRs, all the junior people, all of their OKRs can kind of be stitched together to map comfortably back to the CMO as you get more macro and zoomed out. And because of that transparency that I mentioned, that's supposed to be really built in, more junior people are encouraged to define their OKRs with that umbrella of the executive level OKRs in mind. Like you wouldn't necessarily want to have an OKR that's completely random and entirely divorced from overall organizational goals because you're all part of the same you know, engine that's working in tandem to move everything forward. But, you know, obviously if you're a social media manager and you have certain goals for engagement or follower acquisition, that's not going to have much to do with necessarily conversions and revenue growth at the end of the day, but it will map back because you're, you know, talking about that funnel and you are part of that awareness piece. So when you stitch that together with the other parts of the funnel, then you're mapping back up to that CMO and executive level, sort of more revenue driven OKR. Right. Got it. And could you tell us how you use OKRs at Toggle and what sort of processes do you have? It'd be great to hear a bit more about how you're using OKRs on a day-to-day and quarterly and yearly basis. Yeah, definitely. So I can talk you through the cycle that we use because it's pretty, it's pretty well mapped out at this point. Um, usually four to six weeks before the quarter, there will be a brainstorm with all the senior leaders in the company. And if this is Q1 as well, like if you're setting goals for Q1, that's a time to set the annual plan as well which helps guide the direction of the company for the year. So you're getting that out of the way well before the quarter starts. And then about two weeks before the quarter, you're finalizing those you know, organizational company-wide OKRs and communicating that to everybody. And then right at the start of the quarter, that's when teams kind of spring into action and the teams say, okay, we've got the company's OKRs. Now what are our team-wide OKRs? And they're going over those in like individual team meetings. And then even after the quarter starts, like an individual won't really make their OKRs until after the quarter starts because you're just busy waiting for that direction to kind of come from the top down. So I'd say maybe like one week after the start of the quarter, that's when individual contributors are sharing their own OKRs. And that's usually negotiated with your manager in a one-on-one meeting. And then you share with the team. So throughout the quarter, then you've got those and you're measuring and sharing your progress and checking in regularly with your manager throughout the quarter. And you're assessing maybe how likely you are to achieve your OKRs as the time goes on. And if, you know, one seems like it's totally unlikely to happen or you're going in a totally new direction, that's okay. You just recalibrate and recalculate. And then towards the end of the quarter, contributors score their own OKRs. So you're responsible for that like self-assessment at first and you reflect on what you've accomplished, what you haven't, what could have gone better, what went really well. And then you come to an agreement with your manager and you say, okay, I think we're most of the way there. So that's a 0.8. I did really well on that. And then the others, this thing was a 0.5 because it was only partially achieved. And then, yeah, and then the whole thing just starts over again. 
All right, got it. That's really cool. And do you have any best practices or advice, some OKRs, do's and don'ts that people might not think about that, that you could share based on your experiences? Yeah, definitely. I've made all the OKR mistakes. So <laughs> um, do's and don'ts. Like I'd say for do's, do set limits because there's no really standard way to set an OKR. Like you could have an objective and then have eight key results under it, but it's not a good idea to have too many things going on. So on most of the teams I've seen, people will have a maximum of five objectives with a maximum of four key results. Like I can tell you when I was at Google, we only did four objectives and three key results under it. Cause you just don't derive any value from juggling much more than that. And then other do's I'd say, do sort of stick with it and be patient. So, you know, don't give up after a quarter when you don't understand OKRs and you're not an expert in them. Like I think do expect it to take three or even four cycles, like a full year to get comfortable with OKRs. Also do think about the big picture. So I know I've sort of hammered this point home a lot, but the alignment really comes from the top and as much as possible, link your objectives and key results back to the overarching mission of the company. So, you know, what does the CMO have to say? What does the CEO have to say? What are they focused on? How can I help them? Even in my small, you know, sort of immaterial way. And then in terms of don'ts, um, don't be clear on whether you can deliver the OKR or not before the quarter starts. So if you think you're going to achieve it, you're just not thinking big enough. And then don't take too long setting OKRs as well. Like you can set your OKRs in a day. You don't have to have 25 meetings about it and agonize over every single objective and key result. It's just a, it's just a framework of like, don't take yourself too seriously when it comes to setting these things. Um, you can always iterate the next time. So, you know, it's, it's no big deal. And then I think another one that I've struggled with as well, and I think probably most marketers struggle with is don't be too philosophical. So your job comprises a lot of things. A lot of them really aren't measurable. And on any given day, you're juggling priorities that are like flying at you at the speed of light. But you should really be able to answer, did I achieve my OKRs with a yes or no or a percentage? So if you can say like, I got 30% of the way there or yes, I achieved it, then that's what you really want. You don't want to have these sort of sweeping, broad, overarching questions about am I helping the brand and am I at the forefront of innovation and all these like big grand topics yeah absolutely I think these are super super good tips and, and good advice also on what not to do a few of those are familiar to to me myself uh, so so good to hear that but um finally before we wrap up and move on to our closing questions if people want to learn more about OKRs, where should they go? What are the books they should read or, or places where they, they should go to, to learn more? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's usually one resource that people point to, and it's this book called Measure What Matters. It was written by John Doerr, who is the guy that in the 90s sort of taught the Google founders about OKRs. And he had first discovered them in the 70s as an engineer at Intel. And then he brought them to Google. So he's kind of like the guy, the go-to guy. And he has a website, I think it's called 
whatmatters.co or something, and it's full of resources about OKRs. And then another one I like is, it's called okrexamples.co. And it's just got a whole slew of OKRs from across all different industries and like for product managers or for marketers. So it's just, it's fun to see all the examples in one place. Yeah, perfect. I've read the book, Measure What Matters, and it's super good, but I've never checked out that website. So I think I'll be doing that right after this call uh, to learn more. But uh, Liz, I have to say this was amazing. And we can now move on to our closing questions and our rapid fire fast five challenge. So all I will do to wrap things up here is ask you five questions. And all you need to do is answer as quickly as possible. So are you ready? Yes, absolutely. Cool. So first question, what's the one book you would recommend others to read? So when you sent me these questions in advance, this was actually the one I had the hardest time answering (laughs) because I'm sort of allergic to business books that are called like optimize your optimization, 10x your work life and scale your company in one week, you know, things like that. Um, So I think I have to recommend this book called Nobody Wants to Read Your Shit by Stephen Pressfield. Just for me as like a copywriter and content marketer by background, it was a really nice book to read because when you understand that nobody wants to read your shit, you develop empathy and you have to sort of find a way around that. And that's always a good practice for marketers who can be a little bit navel-gazy and focusing on, you know, turning the camera back to ourselves and saying, look at all this stuff we have going on and look what's look what we're doing. So it's kind of like a nice reminder to just turn the camera the other way and look at the audience and see, remind yourself what they need and what they're looking for. Yeah, love it. That sounds good. Need to check that out. So uh, second question, SaaS company you love and why? So purely not from a product perspective, but as a marketer, I have to say Slack. I think they're so marketing led and they've created such strong content around their personas. Like they make guides like how Slack's web development team uses Slack, for example, with screenshots and really clean copy. And they just have beautifully designed collateral. They've done such a good job with their resource library. So I'm always looking at them for inspiration. Yeah, totally. Uh, Third question, favorite place to read about marketing online? So I love this newsletter. It's called the Empirica newsletter. It's a really frenzied but brilliant weekly digest of all the things that are interesting from around the web from a former PR exec called Matt Muir. And it's really fascinating. There's just nothing else like it out there. Cool. Fourth question, most important growth metric? So I would say revenue or MRR because nothing else matters without it. That's what it's about at the end of the day, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah. And then fifth and final question, what would be your best piece of advice for fellow SaaS marketers? So I would say that's a great question. This is from a lot of mistakes I've made myself. Um, whether you're an entrepreneur or working on a team, make sure to spend 50% of your time on internal processes, whether it's admin, business development, or hiring, just basically keeping your side of the street clean, because I think it can be really tempting to get bogged down in only client work or the success of a certain campaign, but without really amazing internal process that you're constantly refining, it all tends to fall apart. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is something that's overlooked by by quite a few marketers, but I love the advice, trust the process. If you have a good process, then the rest will typically take care of itself. So, hey, Liz, I have to say, this was amazing. It was great to dig into the world of OKRs with you and hear about all your experiences and your advice from google toggle and uh, i just want to thank you so much for coming on the growth podcast thank you so much for having me it's been so much fun that was liz elfman on how to implement okrs in your SaaS marketing team 
Now you can find Liz on Twitter at Liz Elfman. And as ever, if you have any thoughts or feedback, then you're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at Nordic Edward or connect on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth of Podcasts brought to you by growth marketing agency, Advanced B2B. This is your host, Edward Ford, signing off and make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are Biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different.